Love Talk Radio. The Marketing Technology Blog Radio Show with Douglas Carr, founder of the Marketing Technology Blog and author of Corporate Blogging for Dummies, Online Marketing Strategies, Web, Search, Social, Email, Mobile, News, Tips, Tricks, and Best Practices from actual marketers, search professionals, and social media experts. I think we're live on the air with uh, Shell Israel. Welcome, Shell. Uh, it's great to be back, Doug. Thank you. Yeah. We're live. Yay, we're live. Jen verified it. So for all of our listeners that heard uh, 30, let's see, about, about 30 seconds of silence, I apologize. But um, wonderful Friday. Shell, where, where, where are you at right now? Uh, I, I'm right here. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I am in my home office in Novato, California. Oh, fantastic! So, uh, how, 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 well, should I even ask how the weather is out there? You'd only feel badly, Doug. You'd only feel badly. It's um, like a, we just got through the drought and 105 degree uh, temperature out here, so it's been it's been a doozy of a summer for us. So, actually, we just had a couple of days where it went north of 100, which is very unusual around here. And, um, but today is 75, and makes me regret that I'm home working. Oh, that's fantastic! And and what might we ask? Are you working on? Uh huh. Um, I am, uh, and you heard it first right here on on whatever you call this program. I forgot the letters. But uh, I'm working on a new book with my old consort, Robert Scoble, um, and um, we're going to make a big announcement through my Forbes column on Tuesday about it. Fantastic. this, This is a preview. Since I didn't really have anything else to talk about, and you invited me onto the show, I kind of agreed that I would talk about it here. Well, I I can't tell you how happy I am about that. You know, uh, well, 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 actually, Doug, Robert's a little concerned, and I have a a text from him right here. It says, "Don't say anything stupid," which is it's going to be hard for me. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Well, you know, I I was on uh, Google Plus the other day. I was one of the ten people on it. I know, laugh now, um, but. Uh, Jeremiah Oyang was on it, and he put a picture of Naked Conversations. Yeah, the book, yeah. Pre-book. It was before it was a book. It's the blue line, and he has one, and I don't. And he even offered to give it back to me. But I've moved a couple of times, and somewhere along the line, I lost that one. I still have 3,422 copies of Naked, if you want one, but <laughs> the hardcover. But I, I lost the blue line, which actually was for a first-time author at that time. It was it was a thrill to see that, and and it was kind of neat that he popped it up just when Robert and I were agreeing to, yeah, we're really going to go for this one and see what happens. Well, I, I I'll tell you, I wrote, I actually wrote a note under his, you know, and I said, and and for anybody who didn't listen to Shell come on the show last time, is that 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 book really was the precursor uh, to me and one other gentleman, Pat Coyle, who owns a company called uh, 
Coil Media. He works in the sports marketing realm. Um, Pat and I, you know, I was in digital marketing and database marketing, and it was that book that really changed our direction and our focus. We we just knew, you know, I think I had already had a blog that was going, but that book just spelled out that hey, this 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 is the future, and um, and so you know, here I am now. How many years later from that book? Well, if you do it from publication date, you're six and a half years later. So six and a half years later, and now I have, you know, we have an online marketing agency, an inbound marketing agency, with uh, soon to be next next week we'll have six full time employees, um, and we we owe some thanks to you. Well, um, I appreciate your public acknowledgement. And please remember that as a fellow consultant, money is always uh, appropriate. <laughs> and I can email you my personal address. <laughs> Shell, we um, we appreciate you uh, giving us the, the new name for our radio show. Um, I think we're going to rename it. Uh, you heard it here first. <laughs> oh, I thought I thought you were going to rename it Send Money. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't say that we were a profitable. <laughs> that that has, that has never stopped the United States government. <laughs> Amen to that. That's, well, if I if I could borrow some, I'll I'll send it your way. No, I I I mean it too. Okay. I I know I thanked you before, and and it's funny. I think I told you the story before that. The first time I saw Robert, he was in town for uh, Indianapolis. Actually, it wasn't the 500. TEDx. No, no, no. It was before oh, that. Right. He was here for a motorcycle race at at, at the at the track, and uh, and I walked up across him. It was at Scotty's at, at the bar, and 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 I probably looked like some wild-eyed, you know, um, crazed you know, madman that, you know, shook his hand and, and thanked him. And I, I don't think he knew how to take it. But then we had lunch with him at Ted down in Bloomington, and and uh, and, and he saw that I, I was harmless. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, more importantly, that we, we, could, we could pay for our own, our own lunch. Yeah. <laughs> um, of course. <laughs> but, but it was it was it was good. Yeah, I mean, because I, I, I appreciate I think you guys make a – a really unique combo, and that's that, you know, he's still, in all these years, I mean, and I hope I, you know, I I hope I um, nail him, right, but he, he still has this wild-eyed kid kind of, you know, attitude where he looks, you know, he's amazed at new technology and bored with stuff that doesn't work right and, you know, complains when things suck, and, and he, he puts it all out there for people, and I and I think that combination with you, where you know you tend to tell really really great stories that are deep, you know, in 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 their context and paint this you know very clear picture between the two of you guys. Naked Conversations was a heck of a book, and I'm I'm looking forward to the new one too. Well, well, thank you for everything that you said and for all the kind things you've been saying about me over the years and for all of that lucrative business that you had sent me from time to time. Um, I appreciate all of that. Uh, Robert is extremely special, and um, we, we're, we, we, we are we're now very good friends. He's one of my closest friends. But at the time, we were really an odd couple, um, I don't know if you uh, know the play, but uh, Felix uh, was the um, meticulous one, and Oscar was the crazy, messy one, and we were both Oscar. <laughs> so it, it was hard at first. Um, our first editor, who was a wonderful guy that we picked because he was a friend, he resigned after 30 days and said, you need you don't need an editor, you need a marriage counselor. <laughs> That's awesome. In which time we uh, realized we burned one month on a six-month deadline arguing with each other, and we had no choice but to get to work or give back the money, and 
Uh, I preferred leaving from Mexico to giving back the money myself. (laughs) So so we got to work. We got to work, and I think we still don't fully understand why we work well together. Uh, It is less painful this time, but Robert is, as you described him, he is the earliest of early adopters, and it is in his DNA to tell other people why it's great or why it sucks. Um, I am kind of old and crotchety by comparison, and when I hear about how great something is, my opening line is, usually begins with the words, yes, but. Um, he, he's very spontaneous, and I'm slower to adopt and to love, and we put together a balance. The other thing is, well, Robert is a great writer. Uh, he isn't doesn't have the, the long and deep discipline that it takes to write a book like Naked and will take to write a book like the one we're about to uh, announce. Um, but he sees what's coming with amazing clarity. Um, and then he talks a lot, and I listen and I get to tell the story. And it works. It puts together a good book. And uh, we were probably, uh, for both of us, the word humbled is not in character. That's not how you describe us. But the success of, uh, of making conversations and how it changed the world and how it saw what was coming, um, we kind of look at each other and say, hey, <laughs> not bad. <laughs> so we're pretty proud of it. We're pretty proud of it. We, we hope that we can do as well this time. And is and is this a, you know I don't want to I don't want you guys to you know or you to share secrets, but is this a continuation uh, along those lines, or is it a, or is it a you know kind of a new look uh, at, at? Well, I, I will take a lot of kimono off. Um, we're just beginning, so. Uh, this is probably version uh, 0.8. I have all the way to Tuesday to tell the world officially what the book is about. And no offense, but Forbes is a bigger venue, so if I screw up here, I feel better. <laughs> no, no, that's that's we screw up all the time here, so it's okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, and you can say you. Uh, what were you going to put? We heard it first. Yeah. <laughs> um, but th- then the subtitle would be, but he got it wrong. But the working title is Age of Context, and the subtitle will be something like uh, Why It Matters to Your Life and Work. Um, And what we're seeing is that, uh, well, well, let's go back to naked. Business writers get told by their publishers, and we're not alone, in the last chapter should be this really big picture. Uh, put together as grand pictures you can. Well, I'm never a little afraid of that. We're in tech and we know how many things just don't come out the way they started to be. But we stepped back and we said, uh, let's predict that we're at the dawn of a new age. Uh, we're we're going to predict the death of the broadcast era where things were one-directional, where messages were shot at you, we're going to predict the beginning of a new conversational era. And um, and we're going to make this our big picture. And at the time uh, the, the, the reviews came out, uh, some people regarded it as revolutionary and other people regarded it as ridiculous. We really weren't sure which it was. But since about 2006, we have really entered into an age of conversation. And it's one of three technologies that have changed business and life for most people in the developed world. Uh, The other two, of course, are mobile and cloud. But now we have all these three things. And as I know, as a social media consultant, uh, people want to learn more about the social media stuff uh, today about as much as in 2006 they would have hired me to come in and talk to them about the fax machine. So we were wondering what's coming next. And we looked around and we perceived this age of context where all it's not the 
death of the conversational era, but there's something new that's coming that looks to us bigger, and that is that our relationship with our computers is changing. Uh, they are becoming more human. They're understanding us better, and we are getting closer. Um, lo- look at the Syria that has after John Mal- Malkovich. Um, uh, he's sitting alone, uh, looking like John Malkovich in a house that he would live in. Uh, he's by the fire, and he's having a chat with Siri, and he's asking him her to tell him a joke, and it turns out to be a pretty good joke. Um, Siri has a name. It's kind of an exotic name. She's clearly female. And there's something going on between the two of them. Maybe she's a trusted friend or more likely a personal assistant with some slight implication of love, if not sexuality. Um, This doesn't seem odd when people watch it, but he's talking to a bunch of ones and O's. He's talking to a string of of voice-activated, interactive uh, software that, that, that goes and fetches data and delivers it to you as information. Uh, This is different. And then what we're going to focus a lot on is something that everybody's been seeing. The comedians are already having a field day with it, but it's the Google Glasses um, Project Glass. Um, And Project Glass is the first commercially viable um, wearable computer. And wearable computers take context to an entirely new level. Um, The computer actually becomes less intrusive uh, than tablets and and cell phones, which we think over a dozen years or so, uh, wearables will replace. Um, You... It's less obtrusive because they wear like glasses. There's a little clip on them. They're not really as geeky as people will feel they are when they first come out. Um, but your glasses are going to know more about you than any human being does. And they're going to understand the context when you're asking questions. Everybody's uh, noticing that we're finding Google uh, technologists wearing glasses and joining bike races. They did a developer's conference where they're skydiving, bicycle stunts. Uh, they try them on roller skates on surfboards, um, kite sailing, walking, uh, being on a wheelchair. And they are teaching the glasses to understand what you're doing as you move about wearing them. They understand when you leave your house and go outside. They understand when you get in the car. All along, they're using the new Bluetooth, which is the new 4.0 is really very promising. <clears throat> they're using Bluetooth to talk to your coffee maker, your toothbrush. Your, your, your Bluetooth-enabled toothbrush is going to uh, report to your glasses. You may need to see the dentist because there's a little cavity here. And then your glasses will then contact the dentist's computer and say, hey, when's the next available for Shell or for Doug or whoever? That's just the beginning of a whole lot of stuff that's coming down the line. And Robert on the leading edge gets picked by every one of them, and there's just a ton of this stuff. And the world's going to be different if the age of conversation was worth talking about for half a dozen years. This one is more... It will be slower to adopt because wearable computers are really kind of freaky. And there's going to be a slowness to adoption, but the whole cycle is going to happen again. People like Scoble will shell out 1500 bucks for the prototypes. They'll talk about them everywhere. People will step back, but then he'll keep telling you how great they are. You'll see him and say, can I try mine? You'll discover they're not as invasive as you picture them to be. They don't block your vision as you picture them to be. And then you discover you can be online ubiquitously for the first time. You, 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 you can safely get data while you're riding your bicycle in traffic to work. Um, you, you have hands-free. That yeah. changes everything. 
you know. And all day long, you, you know, somebody comes up to Robert Scoble at Indianapolis, and he looks like one of those weird Indianapolis people, you know, like Doug Carlos. <laughs> and um, Scoble stares blankly into his face, but he wants to be a nice guy. And while Doug Carr is saying whatever Doug Carr is saying, um, there's a little voice going into Robert's ear that's saying, this is Doug Carr. These are the social networks. These are recent posts. This is what his bio says. And, oh, you met him back in 2006 when he did the same damn thing to you. Well, I tell you what, <laughs> I, I need that today. Yes, we all do need that today. <laughs> this is sounding long like the first Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we also talk about future terminators and contacts. Um, we, I've been pretty busy in research. Um, it's one of the reasons why I've lowered my profile, because when you stay at home <laughs> searching, you don't get out and talk much. Yeah. But um, one of the we, – we go pretty far out there in, in, in some stuff, and, and – there are a bunch of robotic things that kind of freak us out, freak Robert out even. Um, one is um, you, you can Google all of these and find them. I didn't do any great research, and we haven't begun to interview people. Um, but there is a little robot that operates on brain waves. You've got to do it in the lab, and you've got to wear this thing that looks like Frankenstein. Now, Frankenstein was the doctor. The monster's head, you know, with wires shooting out. But the person wearing this is directing the robot to go across the room and pour a cup of coffee and bring it back to him, and the robot does it. Um, I don't know how many outtakes there were when the robot spilled it all over the place, but the <laughs> robot does that now. So, so does it talk back to you? Well, it does, no, this, this robot doesn't talk back to you. There are others that will. Um, we think Google Glasses will be banned in classrooms because they're so great at cheating. Um, well, but, but, wait a second. Hold on a second. That 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 brings but that brings a whole new that brings a whole new phase to learning in humanity too. Though, is it? Yeah. Not, is it cheating? You know, if you have the resources at your disposal. And you'll always have those resources at your disposal. What 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 classifies cheating, or does it, you know, is it more classified as a resource? You know, do do we make our children, you know, memorize history, or do we show them, you know, instead how to utilize these tools to to get the information they need? You remind me of an incident that was going on just about when Naked came out. Um, he, he, I think it was Oregon. Uh, it was a state that's known for good education. It's one of the reasons why it stood out. Where a teacher in 2006 banned her sixth-grade students from using Google instead of going to the library because it was cheating. Wow. And at the time... Most people said that's ridiculous, and parents sued, and I think the teacher took an early retirement. Um, but there was significant debate on whether the teacher was right or not. Um, and now I don't get to be any debate at all. Right. Um, but, you know, it, it's the theoretical we came up with is if you use your brainwave to tell a robot to go murder someone, who committed the murder? Yeah. If you're not even in the room, <laughs> you know, uh, what, what do we then do? Uh, pull the train, uh, the microprocessor like out of the, of the robot's uh, heart? Um, and it gets more complicated. Um, the military is putting serious money into developing avatar robot warriors who will replace soldiers in combat. Of course, we don't have that many soldiers going around in combat anymore, but if we get them, then the other guys get them. Do we then have everybody send their robots out into a battlefield at a given time? Maybe put it on television like the Super Bowl 
And then if all our robots kill all of their robots, what's to stop the people from them refusing to to, to surrender? <laughs> you know? I, I mean, is that really a war when we just have our machines killing their machines and there are no people involved on either side? Uh, but those are the kind of problems that we're going to be looking at over the next dozen years. Well, it's a, it's, let's let's take a short break. We'll do a uh, we'll pay for the ads. And by the way, when when the ads play, Shell, just so you know, the the volume is still on. So um, <laughs> so I can't make fun of your ads. Huh? Yeah, don't make fun of the ads. These are the guys that pay the bills around here. The first one is uh, Right On Interactive, which is a uh, customer lifecycle marketing company. Um, they they basically are are a, a new entry into the marketing automation market, but the interesting thing with them that differentiates them is they pay attention to customer cues, so it doesn't end when the lead comes through the door. It's it's basically all the way through. We'll do a one-minute ad from Right On Interactive. Marketing That's tech cool blog thing. listeners meet Right On Interactive. Right On Interactive is a marketing automation company that helps organizations win, keep, and grow business. They do this through a lifecycle marketing solution that builds engagement throughout the life cycle of every prospect and customer. Recognized as a top-ranking marketing automation solution with a hands-on implementation strategy, Right On Interactive provides an engagement blueprint for sales and marketing teams so they see where to invest their resources to drive revenue. Engagement drives relationships, and relationships drive revenue. This is why nurturing relationships is key. Lifecycle marketing from Right On Interactive. It's the next evolution of marketing automation. To learn more, visit rightoninteractive.com. Email info at rightoninteractive.com. We're on with Shell Israel. Uh, I had the mute button. <laughs> That's not going to help much. Um, Shell, it, it's interesting that that you know we're we're talking about the interaction with people with with technology and how intimate it's getting. There, there's also it seems to me like the receptor side as well, and and you know technologies yep. like Connect, you know from from Microsoft that are that are taking off, and I hear the murmurs of you know obviously you know new television sets that you know um, the the rumor about Apple TV is that you know you're going to be able to use Siri to talk to your television and and have it respond. Which which by the way I'll make a joke about Siri that you know I have an iPhone and I have Siri and it understands me just about as well as every other woman in my life does. <laughs> Actually, actually, Doug, that's interesting because I'm looking at stats that show that tests have Siri getting it right 62% of the time. Yeah, well, and I want to know, is that better or worse than your wife does? Yeah. Well, since I'm divorced, much, much worse. You find a woman better than Siri, marry her. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Okay, here's, here's the kicker. Siri is going to get better over the years, but will your wife? Yeah, well, I'm divorced, so there's no <laughs> <laughs> and You're on the air, so get the, lawyer, get the lawyers off the receiver, so we'll talk. Now, the wives don't come with upgrades, so it doesn't. <laughs> it's, a it's a moot point. It's a moot point. Uh oh, we have screams coming from the women in the room. <laughs> you know, in this uh nothing Yeah, go ahead. In in, in this uh, brave brave new world that you and, and uh Robert are, are writing about, what do you think the future of marketing is going to look like in that new environment? Could you read my recent post that past is marketing mucking up social media where I implied a resoundingly yes. Yeah, I, I um, did I did and I commented as well. Oh, you're you're one did, were you one of the ones that lit a torch and came running after me with stones, tar and feathers? No, I was I was part of the choir. <laughs> oh well well thanks. Then let me know that you're not gonna 
cut me off from there. Um, I think, I mean, first, first of all, based on some of the animated comments I'm making, I'm really talking about bad marketing. And this gets me off my favorite subject, which is the new book. But to me, when I went to college four score and 82 years ago, um, I had... I was taught that marketing was about business relationships with people. And as such, it was all about building trust and awareness, maybe enthusiasm. It wasn't about selling. It wasn't about lead generation. It wasn't about transactions. And what happens is we get these new technologies and they have these enormous potentials and the early... Uh, pioneers in these technologies of radio and television are all about improving the way life is. And to some degree, they succeed. Um, but at the end of the day, the marketers seem to get hold of it by the throat, as I wrote, and they stop cropping, you know. Um, David Sarnoff wanted to use NBC uh, to... Um, to produce opera and symphonies for the masses, uh, to give them depth of the sales. And around the corner, Bill Paley said, screw that crap. We'll do my love Lucy and sell them full of Mara cigarettes. <laughs> you know, and at the end of the day, TV still has some really valuable nuggets, um, um, particularly NBA basketball games, but that's my own personal personalization. Um, at the end of the day, um, social media <clears throat> is being overtaken, in my opinion, uh, by marketers who have nothing social in mind. Uh, they have not learned, as some companies have, that there's enormous value, financial value, in, in, in listening to customers in public. Um, in understanding that when you show you are listening, people get a lot more polite. And when you show that you're human, people get a lot more forgiving. And that's all part of what I consider marketing to be. Uh, when people ask me about marketing, they're often talking about non-paid ways to get sales. Um, and that ain't what it's about. It never has been what it's about. But that's where the pollution comes in. Um, what I'm talking about as we get into an age of context, though, is an amplification and acceleration of, of what happened in the age of conversation, where uh, we, for a while, got ahead of the marketers. We talked to each other. We started making up buying, viewing, uh, travel decisions, and so many other decisions based on what other people told us. Sometimes those people work for a company that had a vested interest. People were transparent in the <laughs> Then we hit another generation where the original uh, uh, skunk works somewhere off the big company's campus had four people and limited funds and they ran social media and now it's getting folded into the web chart. More often than not, it gets folded into the marketing department. As soon as that happens, it all gets more transactional and less about engagement. It starts ignoring uh, support. It starts ignoring uh, what product development can learn by talking to customers in public online, and it gets polluted. So when I see new technology coming in, it's, to me, an acceleration of the Cold War. Technology is going to let people engage with people until the marketers catch up. But you know, under nine in the years, they might not have to sit around and watch that crap happen. Well, you know, it's it's funny. Oh, can yeah. I say crap? Can I say crap on your? You, you can say crap. Oh, you, can, you can also say shit. So um. okay, <laughs> but I can't. But I can't go worse than shit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We have uh, we have in in the in the office today we have Joel Heldling and he was he was here. We were talking prior to the show just about um, Facebook and you had mentioned I forget who who the guy is again. Zuckerberg. No, no, the guy from um, 
Ruby. Oh, David Hanemeyer Hansen. Yeah, David Hanemeyer Hansen. And and um and I'm gonna paraphrase and I hope I'm right here, but I hope I'm right too, but I'm not <laughs> But basically you talked about, you know, whether Facebook's you know, what what is the product of Facebook? Is is the product of Facebook um the software or is it the user? And and the, the it, user it, yeah, Zuckerberg has been perfectly clear. That's not really a, contra- uh, a controversy anymore. And, and Zuckerberg, uh, as the one giving users uh, shiny things to play with, is going to know everything he can about you, your preferences, and what you like. Um, and he's doing that to increase ad revenue while simultaneously, by personalizing it, he may be improving the experience for many of us. Um, as, as far as our privacy goes, uh, I've been a very passionate fighter on this issue, but we ain't winning and we're not going to win. And the issues such as that carry over into the age of context, uh, but the age of context in a lot of ways is based on the assumption we lose the war for our privacy. Right. Well, and... and to go back to your point, though, you know, I mean, that if you have someone that's building a platform that's, you know, obviously highly optimized for use and highly optimized to extract this data, you know, part of the problem, too, is, is, is the, you know, is making the user the product, and that, that plays right into the marketing, you know, ploy of, you know, um, you know, not communicating or engaging properly with people, or 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 not engaging with them the the way they wish to be, but um, the way the platform wants you to. You know, Facebook is measuring transactions. You know, they have an engagement, but the the you know the the bottom line is when you click through ads, you know that's what they're measuring engagement on, not you know what kind of a relationship you're really building with. The community that you're that you're curating on there, they measure engagement by clicks, likes, you know these these tactile actions that they hope leads to conversions for a company, and that's how they you know they want marketers to think about their platform. Right now, but in fact, it gets further than that because if they fail on. Uh, producing enough likes for you, they're getting smarter about me. Yeah. And they're going to be able to put better things in front of me. You know, it, it's, um, it, I, I don't, Doc Searle's got a new book out, and I read an earlier version of it, so I don't know exactly what's in the book, but he did a better job of discussing uh, advertising on demand than anybody I, 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 I've come across so far. And that's a concept that there was a time when I, I just recently bought a used car. That that was a lot of fun. <laughs> Trust me on that. Um, <laughs> but for a while, seven days, I wanted to know about used cars within 30 miles of where I live, not in the color white, under a certain amount of dollars. Um, you needed to have a four doors. It needed to be four doors, and oh yeah, I'd like economy uh, of fuel, but I'm asking too much in this car. And for that week, I would really appreciate if you could shove in front of me every ad, every deal, every offer that fit those requirements, and give me nothing else, just nothing else. That's what's on my mind, and I'm looking to buy. And I, if you help me on this, I would even expect the uh, car dealer to give you a commission on that. But after the moment when I've made my decision, I would like to never see a used car ad again until maybe five or six years down the line when I buy another one. Right. And, and you can do that with anything. If I declare my intention is to go to Italy, Suddenly, I really want to see about great deals in Palermo. Very, you know, I want to see restaurants, hotels. I want to see all this stuff. And then I go to Italy, and then I don't want to hear about it because my next trip may be to Greece, if there still is a Greece. <laughs> right. Right. So that, that's done. I can go on forever, but every now and then I sit down and shut up. <laughs> 
Oh no, that's a that's a great example, and I think it's a it's a yeah. it's a solid one of the you know it goes back to you know you, you're talking about remarketing, right? That you know if someone yes. showed any type of genetics whatsoever, just keep nailing them until they convert, you know, and they may yeah. never convert because what they don't understand is your intent, you know. Um, they they they're just trying to predict it. Well, let's let's it's already time for another break. It's uh. This this one is with Delivera. Um, Delivera is a uh, a great uh, one of the early email marketing companies. Uh, started in 1999 here with Neil Berman, and um, still taking great care of their customers. So, uh, without further ado, Delivera. Delivera has been providing email software and professional services for more than 13 years. Delivera helps businesses and organizations execute effective email marketing campaigns by providing dynamic software and professional services, from full-out consulting engagements to help when you need it in areas such as design, production, deliverability, and testing. Voted one of the 2011 best places to work in Indiana and one of Inc. 5000's fastest-growing companies. Delivera partners with businesses and organizations across all industries and verticals and truly opens its doors each and every day to put the customer first. To learn more about Delivera, visit www.delivera.com or call 866-915-9465. Tell them you heard about Delivera from the Marketing Technology Blog. And we're back on with uh, Shell Israel, good friend of the show and, and um, long-time, uh, just just great guy that, that I've known now for, well, since the book came out. So I guess that's six six years now. It just doesn't seem like that long. Um, and Shell, Shell, we've been discussing today that Shell's got a new book coming out. Do you have a title for it yet, Shell? Uh-oh. Did we lose Shell? Oh no! Made a lost shell. Shell, if you're there, we can't hear you. <laughs> well, we've gone about 45 minutes. Oh, okay. Well, uh, uh, that's that. That would be a pain. He can do a guest call in. Do you want to give him the number? Uh, four two four. Sorry about that. And uh, and he's got another book coming out. If if you haven't picked up Naked Conversations, I would still pick it up. In fact, I think we've got it over there on the bookshelf. Um, Naked Conversations was really a book, but it was by Robert uh, Scoble and Shell Israel, and I I think it really lifted Robert's career as well. But um, but basically, just talking about how companies you know really had to start. Having you know open conversations with their audience, and and it's it's one that um, really just dynamically changed the way that I started to think about online marketing as a whole, and um, and and really threw me into this. After that, I quit the newspaper industry and the direct mail industry, and um, and got into um, online marketing a, a lot more and, and measuring. You know, the, the interesting thing that Shell was saying there was that. You know, we do it too, right? Everything that we look at with a online and digital presence with our our customers is ultimately we measure the return on investment and the click through rate and the interactions. But I'm I'm not sure that's the motivating factor on why we're you know why we're developing the strategies for the clients that we are. It's just unfortunately the only way to measure the impact that that someone has, but. I think you know you're more in touch, Marty, with a lot of the the stuff that we're doing from a social side and showing people whether they're actually gaining authority and respect and mentions within the community. Um, more importantly than you know, are they converting? Are they you know, are they clicking? And uh, and it's something that I think a lot of people miss. That's a good point, Doug. But I, and I also think that you know, to Shell's point, that um, you know, another big part of what we try to do with our clients is be sure that they're engaging with their customers and with you know, with the the marketplace, the community, the world at large, um, even when there isn't a direct association with you know, 
a new sale or anything else. Um, it's just incredibly important that companies um, participate in you know their ecosystem. I was uh, and Shell, you're back on the line, right? Yeah, yeah, I am. Fantastic. So. I, I, you know, and and I, I've been thinking that you know something like this needs a. Uh, I've seen people come close to kind of graphically representing it, but but I, I really think it needs a lot more curation. Is is that there? It, I look at it as like rings, you know, in the tightest ring, the the center of the circle might be yes, they purchased from you, you know, that that's great, you know, but the next circle out might be that. Hey, they're talking about you, you know. And the next circle out might be they're listening to you. And the next circle out is, you know, uh, and and I I feel like that's what's missed when you're focusing only on that conversion or that click or that 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 direct interaction. You're missing all of the other activity and momentum that that comes along with that. That you know, when when we grew our own blog, it was. I remember going from 10 visitors, I remember this, from 10 visitors a day, you know, to 100, you know, and thinking, my God, this is incredible. And then 100 to 200 and 200, but it's a grueling amount of time to, to grow it that much. And it still does. Even even today, I'm always checking, you know, how many people are reading, how many people are interacting, how many people are, are, are doing that. And I think... What people miss is that by creating that that ongoing conversation with people, it, it takes a long time for a conversation to go public. It takes a long time for even the most famous person, you know, it takes it takes time for that message to get spread, you know, around the world. And I'm, companies are always just looking to throw out a tweet and see what the return on investment is on a on a tweet. You know, rather than understanding that if I hold a conversation with the community for the next year, how is that going to impact my business, the brand, the ultimately sales, of course, but, you know, it's it's not always a direct relationship, you know, um, and, and I think people miss that a lot. Well, I think to, to your, your point, Shell, you know, I think marketers um, – have to some extent gone over the deep end. You know, I heard when people start talking about automating influencer and advocacy programs, I just kind of shake my head. Um, you you can't automate relationships. Uh, you know, it's just you, you can't do that. It takes it takes work. It takes active participation. It takes empathy. It takes a lot of those things that only two people can do. We, we I have, don't. I don't understand why companies think that technology should be used to cut off human interaction. Um, after support in recent years is going through great hurdles in the right direction and started to get credible again, uh, I, I'm discovering a, a, a yet another trend. <clears throat> toward making support a website where you can do anything except make communication through any means with an actual human being. Um, and, you know, yesterday I had a little problem with my Gmail on my iPad. And, in fact, it self-healed in four hours. But I spent one of those four hours um, on... Uh, on their site trying to get somebody to solve the problem I had. Um, and then I spent my next hour completely bitching about them on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Google+. And on Google+, I put in all caps, is any human from Google involved in this conversation? To which no one answered. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I tend to see the same thing with Google, so... Um, yeah. It, 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 it's unfortunate. And then the the latest news on Google, I, you know, the thing is I use Google technology everywhere and and love it, but but I, I do think that they've they've gotten they're, they're leaning close to the evil side a little bit lately with privacy well, issues what, and everything else. Here's something I marvel at. 
the two companies that most of us regard as taking really evil actions, Facebook and Google are two companies that none of us would spend a day without using. They're that popular, you know. Uh, the third company that may be evil is, is, is Apple, and I probably could live more without Facebook than I could Apple. Um, yeah. And, you know, I could probably live without Google if I got into the habit of using Bing, which is just as good. But Google was there first, which is what they're about to do with those glasses. Well, well, and there's a question in that, you know, from a from a guy that, you know, wrote the last book and is writing the next book. You know, those are three great examples, I, I think, Google, Facebook, and Apple, of companies that took off without really being social at all. I mean, uh, they, that's absolutely they, true. That's absolutely and, true. And and it, you know, I I tell people sometimes that that you know culturally, if it's not a fit, don't try to don't try to make it one. Don't try to force it. That you know, if you if you've got a great enough product and you don't have people that are social internal, don't try to force it. You know, focus on the product and focus on you know word of mouth and and uh, you know and and do it that way. But um, it, you know, how, do you feel like there will come a day when all companies must be social, or or it's always going to be like this that you're going to have some companies that are and some that aren't? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I, I, people like me hate to say, "Well, I'm not sure," uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it's most. Of the stories I've collected about large companies using social media successfully begin with the classic, this company had a problem. If they didn't have a problem, they wouldn't have looked for non-traditional alternatives. Now, Google and Facebook and, and Apple have been in the leadership position in their respective categories for very long time. And if you really have everything working extremely well, then maybe you feel like you don't need no stinking conversations with customers. And this is true until the point where you get into trouble. Um, one example is Apple got into a lot of trouble on the Foxconn thing recently. And um, in fact, as the story unfolded, most people kind of walked away because once you got past the drama, you found out that the TV documentary was packed with lies, um, that Apple was not the only American hardware company using Foxconn. In fact, they all were. Um, three is that Apple... Um, it goes on and on and on. The point of it is Apple never joined a conversation and said, stop, wait a minute, this isn't true. This is what we're doing. This is why we are actually doing better for Chinese employees than other American companies. And they went. They could have gone on and on and on. You can just picture some guy sitting there tirelessly in Cupertino speaking for this big company and explaining all the good things they've done. Instead, they just let it slowly dribble out, and people, for the most part, I think, still have a negative view of Apple, who is highly defendable in this case, because they did not use social media. But Apple and Google, who has also taken a beating in the same sort of way when they perhaps didn't need it, and Facebook, who I think took some beatings in areas where they needed it. Um, I think each of these companies... Use social to listen, but they will never deign to show you they care about what you're saying. And if any of them gets into a series of crises that last long enough, nothing on social will be very damaging to them. The thing is that these companies do so much in so many areas and are so strong and have such infrastructures and have become so much a part of the habits of everyday people that that's unlikely to happen at this point. Well, and, you know, and then, of course, they've got an entire ecosystem of people that make money because of their products and services, so they defend them to, to the death. You know, I 
I'm online with a bunch of you know Facebook consultants, and and anytime negative information comes out on Facebook, they're the first people to defend Facebook. Yeah, they're kind of defending their own <laughs> bread and butter. They're not really defending you know Facebook. So and and Apple, I think, is the same way. Is there's such a you know the cult of you know Mac the 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 cult out there that if anybody says anything bad about Apple. You know, you have a million, you know, fanboys, you know, that are just going to go on the attack in a situation like that. I think that stuff is valuable, but it's perhaps overrated. Yeah. Um, I, it, it's my focus through my whole career, which goes back to about the launch of the wheel, if I recall. <laughs> if they hired me, if they hired me, you'd, you'd know today who the developer of that thing was. <laughs> But um, I've always focused on the users. And if it's good for the user, I'm for it. If it's bad for the user, I'm not. And my loyalty to Apple or Intel or Dell or Ford, and I'm naming companies that I've both recently panned and praised, um, my loyalty isn't to any of these companies. It's to their customers and to other customers. And so that I can tell people who are not fanboys of the company, who are not consultants, who are not cultists, that this is a good company. You ought to go do that. You know, it, it, it's, I just visited Ford and I can come back saying, I'm still not in love with their design, but they're a good company with good people that are making pretty damn good products and they're using technology in ways that are impressive. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that isn't a loyalty to Ford. It's a loyalty to, well, it's a loyalty to my own integrity that I'm not championing a company. I'm championing the people who listen to me in a way that says, I'm not going to advise you to do something because of any history I have with this company. Um, I've taken money from half of these companies that I've mentioned, and some of those companies have also written very negatively about. Um, yep. I, I, I am a champion of end users. And when I'm arguing Apple and I see that it's some Apple fanboy or somebody who somehow or other believes that that, that uh, they should post-mortem convert uh, Steve Jobs to some religion where he can be sainted, um, I'm not interested in what they have to say. They have no credibility to me. I'm, yeah. interested in Joe, I'm interested in Joe next door who said, hey, I can help you with that problem you're having with Google. And here's where I found the, you know, that's what social media is all about. It's about peers helping each other. It's about taking, at least to me, I've got to say at least to me, because to me, and this is probably naked, it, it's about most humans have a desire to help strangers. Most humans have a desire to share their wisdom and their knowledge. And there are those among us who say, screw it, I'm just going to learn this stuff and I'm going to use it to my advantage. But most of us have a natural inclination to help others. And when social media started approaching business, it began with perhaps a naive sense that we can create a common good between people and people who share an interest in any topic on earth. That's awesome. Okay, I'll step down off the soapbox now. I'll take a No, no, that off. was that that's actually <laughs> That's a, I mean, we're we're out of time, so that's a perfect close to the show. And I and I think you're absolutely right. You know, it's, it's you know, I know I just raked one of our authors on our blog. You know, gave him a hard time because he he wrote a piece that was interesting but not valuable to the audience. And and it's and it's it's why we publish what we publish is, you know, we want to provide help to people and help them make decisions. Not not necessarily sway their decision, but open up their minds a little bit to something, and provide value. And as long as we're providing value, they'll keep coming back. When we stop yeah. providing value and we just start selling, we know that we've we've lost them. You know that's that's the end of the conversation. And and uh and so it's it's you know case in point with everything that you said is you know it's it, it's all about the customer and all about providing value to that customer. As well, Michelle, and and your uh, and so the Forbes article will that be out on uh, Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Okay, so everybody keep an eye out for uh, for it. We'll tweet about it and uh, 
and of course, uh, you know, uh, promote the heck out of it to, to our small audience. I think it'll be, uh, and we're excited. Tell Robert we're excited for him too, and and tell him that he needs to get his butt on this show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you, you'll have to speak to Robert's wife about getting on his calendar. I have to do the same. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll do that. Actually, I, I think he's pretty. I think he's always approachable, just never available. I think that's what it is. <laughs> well, well it, it's. Do I have time for one quick Scoble story? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. If you go to his email and you. Uh, send him a message on email and says, I really get too many emails to answer them all. If you really want to reach me, call me. And if you call me, you get a voicemail that says, I really get too many calls. If you really want to reach me, email me. <laughs> <laughs> now, since we're writing a book, I've learned a little secret open to very few people, and I will not share that with you now. Thanks for having me on the show. Michelle, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> thanks so much. And uh, and like I said, we'll we'll keep an eye out and we'll uh, we'll promote the heck out of it. And of course, we'll we'll buy some copies and give them away to our audience as well. And how many did you say that would be? Twenty five thousand? How many? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Thanks, guys. I had a ball. I had a ball. Thanks, I'll really appreciate it. Thanks, sir. All right. Bye now. Bye. Connect with us anytime at marketingtechblog.com. And from there, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Tech Blog.